0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is BELIEVE. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied.
1: All right, let's go. Let's do this podcast. It's going to be an interesting one, folks. This is the Gegenpressing Podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Manuel Veth. And, yeah, Stefan, this will be a good show, I think. We have some really interesting topics that are a little bit different than our usual ones. And, yeah, how is it going? Uh, Stefan Bienkowski? my usual co-host on this podcast um, how's <laughs> yeah. it going buddy
0: yeah very well uh you know it, you're right we, we don't have any polka or Bundesliga league of football this weekend but mm-hmm. and and that did that did trouble me when i woke up this morning monday morning i usually pull up the fixture list and think right what can i get excited about this weekend mm-hmm. and there was nothing and here in europe unlike our friends at concacaf or in south america or africa wherever else asia uh, here in Europe, we don't even have international games. So <laughs> I couldn't even get excited about maybe a Germany or, a, dare I say, a Scotland game. Um, so, But luckily, there is a huge amount of drama going on in the Bundesliga right now. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to just kind of digging into two or three really big topics today.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, I think, though, before... We do the big one, um, or one of the big ones. I think the Pokal, Stefan. Pretty, I mean that competition now is completely mm-hmm. open. Dortmund gone, Bayern gone. I saw this crazy statistic: is the first time since I think two thousand six, two thousand seven that both Bayern and Dortmund are gone at this stage. I have to double check that, so don't don't radio me on this one. But yep. it's been a while. Um, All right.
0: Th- I I have an even more impressive stat for you than that. The last team, uh, that of all the teams that are left in the competition, I think the last one to have actually won the Pokal was twenty nine years ago. Wow!
1: And that was Gladbach. No, Gladbach are out.
0: I don't even know actually. I, I'm going to I'm going to guess and say Hamburg.
1: So years ago, I have to do my math here in my head. So that would yes, have been ninety
0: one, ninety two, I think. 93, possibly. In fact, I can actually check right now. Just do some real-time Googling on this podcast, which is exactly what everyone wants to hear. <laughs> uh, we're going to have people probably sitting in the car right now saying, you guys are idiots. It's, it's clearly so-and-so. Uh, let's see Let's see which one of us can find. Anofa. Yeah, of course, see, I An-Opa. was right.
1: And they were in the second division at the time
0: i'm such an idiot i just literally said i was right because i thought you said hamburg there i don't know why
1: yeah i don't think hamburg has won anything in a long time um but yeah I, I it is really exciting i think um anyone who's still in it right from like whether it's union freiburg Hannover, st pauli bochum hamburg and Karlsruhe, um those are all the underdogs and then there's leipzig who, <laughs> who probably are looking at this now and say we can make a season that started really badly for us look very good at the end of May.
0: Mm. Things are just falling into place for Tedesco. eh? Um, What I will say is, uh, what I thought was quite funny was that I watched the Hamburg derby on Friday and both of those teams, St. Pauli and Hamburg, looked exhausted. I have no idea why that game wasn't rescheduled. Um, Maybe there's a legitimate reason that I didn't pick up, but to have st pauli knock out dortmund and hamburg knock out clone on the tuesday and wednesday night and then play a derby on the friday night it was absolute Brutal. madness and both teams looked exhausted they still made a really good game of it hamburg took mm-hmm. the win but uh <laughs> absolutely crazy but it also showed how much they put into those pokal games so it was good to see
1: yeah, and I think those two teams um, also I think in both those games showed why they are where they are in the second Bundesliga standings, right? Um, hmm. St. Pauli in Hamburg. Um, or okay, guess both are Hamburg, but you know what I mean. Are fighting for promotion with St. Pauli being of course aware first in the, in the in the second division. And um, really making a good case for why both those teams are so close. HSV, of course, fifth, um, one point behind their local rivals, where the Bremen. St. Pauli in second. Um, Schalke sandwiched between Bremen and, and HSV. That promotion race is going to be interesting in a lot of ways. And look, HSV and St. Pauli are still in the Pokal. So that's a little bit of a distraction for them, I assume. But they could also play each other, so we could get another Hamburg Derby. Uh-huh.
0: And this actually got me thinking uh, the other night, and I actually tweeted about it, which I think is quite an interesting stat. I'll just read it out to our listeners. If Hamburg and Bremen fail to get promoted from the Zwei Bundesliga and Gladbach and Stuttgart do get relegated from the Bundesliga, there'll be more former Bundesliga winners in the second tier than the top tier. And on, on top of that, you could also have Braunschweig and Kaiserslautern Come up from the third division, so and they were obviously previous winners as well. So you could end up having a fair amount of the, you know, German football history's winners playing in the second tier, which would be quite something. I mean, Gladbach in the in the Zwei Bundesliga would be historic, I think. But we'll see what happens.
1: It has happened before, of course. I, I want to point out here because you're bringing this up, um, because 1860 last year came very close of of rolling up the field from behind it looks like they're going to do the same thing again this year mm. former winner as well if they go up
0: yep absolutely and no. maybe if they get promoted i'll finally be able to buy that shirt i've been trying to buy all year <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah we were so only- bit,
0: uh, <laughs> uh, i don't know if I, we should i should be le- let the listeners know about this so i've uh, just a brief story <laughs> so 1860 have i think is it like a special centenary shirt this year
1: uh, maybe, the blue. you mean the the dark one right the, yeah i think i think it's, yes
0: I, I think it's just a home shirt and uh i was hoping to pick one up just because i like buying cool tops mm-hmm. when i see them but because of bloody brexit uh they don't deliver to the uk anymore and you i think you were going to go through to germany but then obviously covid meant you couldn't go mm-hmm. uh and i've not been able to go through since either i don't think i'll be able to get out to germany till april now uh but Hopefully, I'll go to Munich and hopefully, I can just show up at the club's fan shop and buy it with my own two hands.
1: Fingers crossed! (laughs) If you're listening to this podcast and you're based in Munich, help the man out. Uh, If you work
0: for 1860 Munich, text, not text me. Just message me on Twitter. Let me know.
1: Yeah, how can we get this? We can get it shipped to my house and then we'll get it to (laughs) your house.
0: It will oh. probably be cheaper to ship it to Vancouver and then to Scotland than from Je- my my girlfriend's a jeweler and she was telling me yesterday that right now it's cheaper to ship jewelry to Australia from the United Kingdom than it is to ship it to Germany.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's the bonuses of Brexit, isn't it? It was supposed to be uh, easier, but it's don't get not me
0: started. Do not get um, me started.
1: I think that's a good transition to our next topic, though, <laughs> it, it was supposed to get easier yeah. and for Wallisburg. Uh, Wolfsburg is is such a fascinating topic, I think. Because here's a team that had done a lot of things right, I feel, in the transfer window last summer, right? They were able to hold on to Lacroix, who was heavily linked to Leipzig. And um, they hold on, they held on to Weghorst. Wend- they brought in some good names. Um, Waldschmidt, Luke Bacchio. Uh, Lukas Lucas who has since become a German national team player. Uh, Felix Nemtcher, who looks like he's going to become a German national team player very soon as well. And uh, Sebastian Bornau and just the fact that they kept everyone together. And I feel like they've done everything right in terms of transfers. But, here's the big but. They also signed Mark von Bommel uh, with Jörg Schmadtke essentially kicking out Oliver Glasner because Jörg Schmattke is a great sporting director, but he has a history of not getting along with his head coaches. This is this is something that also happened in Köln, right? And um, Marcel Schaefer, of course, who is the... Uh, the Schmadtke is the director of sport, Marcel Schaefer is the sporting director. Those are two different mm-hmm. titles. I know they sound very similar, but they're different. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I feel like they did a lot of things right, but that head coaching... Decision at the time, and they were pretty heavily criticized for it. Stefan has massively backfired for them at even from Bommel getting fired. Um, I mean, he didn't even manage to count the amount of players, right, that he (laughs) used for substitutions in the DFP Pokal. And then, and then, and this is like, (sighs) help me out here because I don't understand it. People. In Germany, some people in Germany really rate Florian kofeld highly. I don't see it. And when they signed him, I thought, okay, well, maybe I was wrong. But they've now been winless in nine games. They haven't won a game since November. And they are on the brink of a relegation spot. Do you understand this, Stefan?
0: No, none of it makes any sense, but... In terms of Kofeld, you know, we've talked about this in the podcast for the last couple of months now in terms of how there's this concept in German Bundesliga that, you know, their their head coaches are the best and the next Jurgen Klopp is just around the corner. And, you know, I think Kohfeldt's an example of that where they just keep getting, ex- getting more and more chances, which is fair enough. But for a club like Wolfsburg, who have spent a huge amount of money, they've got very talented and well-paid professionals. They have players who have high expectations to do well at Wolfsburg, you know. And you know, Wolfsburg's such a peculiar club. I thought Stefan Roosevelt did a really good article on this for ESPN maybe a year ago. Uh, it was sometime mm-hmm. during the pandemic, so my timelines all over the place. But hmm. you know, he did a really good piece explaining how the town is just kind of like this forgotten place in Germany, and how. You arrive and it's and it's so bizarrely put together, and you have the huge Volkswagen uh, factory. And I, you know, I've been and I actually really enjoyed the place, but you know, it's 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 kind of. It, and then you know, he made the joke in the article that sometimes people commuting to and from Berlin, the train will sometimes forget to even stop there. So I've
1: experienced that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and 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 obviously that rubs off on the club itself for any ambitious uh, player. We've seen this through the years. We've seen this with Julian Draxler. We've seen this with Kevin De Bruyne. Countless others. You know, you can do very well Wolfsburg and then it gets you a job somewhere else. And it only lasts so long. And the problem with Wolfsburg, I think, is that they had a coach in Glasner who had managed to pull that squad together, get them playing the right way, get them playing together. And, you know, the ambitions between the head coach and the players fitted. They then tried to bring in Mark van Bommel, who his head coach, his, his, his coaching experience was simply inadequate. Maybe the idea behind it was he was a big name, he was a big personality, the, the players would respect him because of his playing career, but it became very evident very quickly that he didn't really have any of his own coach ideas. He was still relying on Glasner's tactics, Glasner's player selections. Uh, and when things kind of started to wobble a bit, he had no idea what to do. Um, now, maybe they've decided, look, we're going to go in the opposite direction, we're going to bring in a young, exciting German coach. Uh, and maybe he can galvanize the players but it hasn't worked Um, and the thing that I find really interesting about Wolfsburg over this kind of run because they've now gone nine games without um, picking up a win is that they're just not creating any chances whatsoever so you know I've jotted down some numbers here and over the course of the last nine games their xg which of course is you know Numerical value they put on how many goals they should have scored uh, it was thirteen point zero four, which isn't great, but it's not that bad. But in that same period of time, they only scored five goals, so they're obviously quite unlucky in front of a goal. They're not um, they're creating chances. They certainly did create chances against Leipzig, but they're not really scoring them. And I thought it was quite telling that in the nine games before this bad run, their xG was twelve point one five, so it was almost exactly the same, but they scored eight goals. Which again is not great, but it's still almost twice as many as this current run, and 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 that then led to instead of nine games without a win in that previous run, they had four wins, one draw, and then they picked up four defeats as well. But you know, there's a huge difference there over four wins and not four wins. But everything this season has been on these tightest of margins, and it's 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 just not looking good for Cofield We were talking beforehand about it was a big piece in kicker today about. They're talking about what could happen. So after the break, they've got Greuter Furr to, you know, a team that most clubs in the Bundesliga would expect to pick up three points from. Um Schmadke has said, look, we have to win that game. And I think the kind of general idea is that if they don't win that game, Kofield could be out. Or even worse, looking down the line, uh, there could be a full kind of clear out top to bottom and guys like Schmadtke or Schaefer who is also alongside him. I can't remember if he's the managing director or the, or the director of sport, uh, but you know, the whole thing could get cleared out. The whole th- and then you could even then expand that to the team itself, where a number of the key players, star players are, are probably already planning on leaving in the summer.
1: I see uh, that last part. I'm not sure that's actually going to do anything because I don't think the squad is the issue. And this is one of those cases that you often say, okay, well, if the quality isn't there, the coach can't do anything, but the quality is obviously there. I don't think we were that wrong in our judgment ahead of the season to say that this is a very good squad.
0: Hmm.
1: You look up and down the players that they have and some of the players that they brought in, and I'm I'm doubling down on this because I really strongly believe in this. This is a very, very good squad. This is a top four squad, Stefan. Mm -hmm. And um, that gets me thinking, okay, if it's not the squad, then the problem is sitting on the bench. And I firmly believe that, that it was first from Baumol. And I I, I remember following the kofeld story really closely at Bremen. And, you know, he very much lived on the fact that he's, he made them survive in his first year in the Bundesliga. And um, there was a lot of hype about him. And he's a very nice guy. And sometimes that's enough for a coach to survive. Because the media, if, you, if you're good with the media, the media likes you, they will back you. Right? Hmm. Now... As for the changes, I think that you're playing third. That's three points. If it's not three points, I don't know what you're doing. You know, you and I could coach Wolfsburg who get three points for against third, And which makes me think, honestly, what are they doing? You now have two weeks where you could make a significant change to your club and turn around the fortunes. And it's still early enough the way the Bundesliga is, you could put four, five, six, seven wins in a row together Hmm. and climb up the table. Right. And I think that if I was in charge, I'm not, but if I was in charge, I would pull the trigger. I would fire the head coach and I would bring in someone else. I would bring in someone like Niko Kovac someone who's familiar with the system that they're playing. Um, You see that with Glasner, the the way he's doing at Frankfurt. And the way Frankfurt played today is still very much a system and a tactic that was fundamentally put in place by Kovac years ago. Mm -hmm. Right? So I would see that as a good fit. I don't think Kovac is a world beater, but he will get it fundamentally right with the squad. Mm -hmm. And this is the opportunity for you to do it. And... I think wasting this two-week window would be a massive mistake. It would be a huge mistake. And essentially, you're not wasting just this two-week window. You're also wasting the week after. Because I'm going to say this right now. They're going to beat third, Right? So, I, I don't know. I think I think um, what's happening here is Schmadtgen and Schaefer are probably doubling down on their guy. Hmm. Because... They have to have this one right because the next coach that's getting hired is not going to be hired by them. That's my thinking anyways.
0: The question, I think Niko Kovac would be a great idea because you could obviously say to him, look, you come in, you help us avoid relegation, as silly as it sounds, and then you've got that whole summer to build your squad. And you're absolutely right about this Wolfsburg team. They could lose two or three star players in the summer and they'd still have more than enough talent to finish in the top four next season. And yeah. especially to have a guy like Nico Kovac, who I still think is a fantastic head coach. He's still very young, obviously, but I think he's a little hardly done by at Bayern Munich. Uh, I'm not even entirely sure he deserves his job at Monaco either. Um, he was doing a good job there last season. Obviously, what he did at Frankfurt speaks for itself. So I think he'd be a great appointment. I'm just not sure because of what's happened this season that they can hire anyone else um, or anyone of that kind of stature, you know, to maybe transition, if we want, I've, i I kind of, I'm, I've, i of, of the understanding that they did go speaking to other head coaches before they brought cofield in. Um, you know, I'm of the understanding they actually went for Dominico Tedesco before he ended up at Leipzig, and that didn't work out. And you can understand why, because maybe a head coach with ambition and maybe a, a bit of foresight looks at that squad of players and thinks. Kohfeldt is probably doing all he can and those players simply don't care so why would they care about me two months before the end of a season when half of them probably plan on moving clubs so it might be very hard for Wolfsburg to bring in a proper head coach this season um, and they may have to stick with Kohfeldt and hope that they avoid relegation and then maybe they can tempt a better head coach in the summer
1: That's such a beautiful transition Stefan Um <laughs> Because someone did end up getting Tedesco and that club, Leipzig, and we talked about them on the top of the show. They do look like a team. I I, I personally think they will finish top four. Um, I I think I said that in the beginning when they first hired him and they're closing that gap very quickly, right? They're now sixth, just mm-hmm. three points behind Union Berlin. And let's be honest here, they will keep winning. And they will keep winning enough to to be ahead of the two teams in front of them: Freiburg and Berlin. And um, now they're the only big team left in the Pokal. Like if they finish top four and they win a title at the end of the year, they would be celebrating there.
0: Oh, right, with without a doubt, uh, Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg, Leipzig have played a masterstroke here. Um, Obviously things didn't work out with Jesse Marsh. They mm. they tried to give him as much time as they as they could, but eventually they said, look, we have to act now. And they did. They acted when, you know, they felt the perfect time to do so. And yeah. it meant that Desco came in, he was able to have a winter break. I mean, I know he picked up points even before that. Mm. Um, although interestingly enough, the one team to have actually beaten his Leipzig side are Aminia Baelefeld of all clubs which is just so bizarre. But since they came back from that winter break, they've been incredible. They've thumped uh, Mainz. They've thumped Stuttgart. They beat Hansa Rostock in the Pokal. Okay, fair enough. And in that that, um, Wolfsburg game at the weekend, Wolfsburg were quite good. They were doing quite well up until maybe halftime. Tedesco then brings on some extra weight. He brings on some extra talent. Danny Olmo looked tremendous, looked back to his best. And Leipzig just kind of pulled away. And... It just seems to be – this is exactly probably what, you know, the higher-ups at Leipzig were thinking this is what should have happened at the start of the season. Nagel's been a very good coach, don't get us wrong, possibly one of the most talented ones in Europe, but they have this overwhelming quality in every position at Leipzig where any half-decent coach should be able to get in that machine ticking along, and that's what Tedesco has done. I thought it was really, really interesting. He kind of um, – this just popped into my head there, but – he gave an interview after the Wolfsburg game and he said, you know, cause he was asked about changing things and mm. how much work he's put in. And he said when he inherited the squad from Jesse Marsh, he didn't mention Jesse Marsh, but he said when he arrived at the club, he identified 20 problems with the squad, the way they played, the tactics, et cetera, et cetera. And he believes he's fixed 16 of them now and there's still another four to go. So it's going to be Holy really, man. really, it's going to be really interesting to see just how much they can push on now because, the really interesting thing, of course, is that when we come back from this break, they then go to Munich to play Bayern Munich. Um, and then, you know, that might be a really good measure of this team. But either either, either way or uh, one way or another, um, I think Leipzig fans can probably be quite happy and relieved to think they're probably going to finish the season quite strongly. They could end up winning the German Cup. and mm. And then Tedesco has a whole summer to even start doing his work properly.
1: And you, you see the players that were brought in last summer
0: hmm.
1: now fulfilling their potential that we always thought that they would have. Andre Silva is a great example. I think he's got five goals, five of his eight goals under Tedesco. Um, Guardiola was excellent on the weekend. He was a defender who I thought, why are we worried about Upame- Upamecano and Mukele um, leaving? No, sorry, not Mukele. The... Um, <sighs> God, Konate, sorry about that. Konate leaving because Guardiola and Simakar are coming in and those two have been good ever since Tedesco has come in. They seem much more comfortable. They, they seem to really have shored short up that back line. Um, you saw that against Wolfsburg, right? And Guardiola scored in that game, silver had an assist. And um, I think that's really, really telling, and you know, who I so thought was really excellent was use of Paulson, but it's not just him, you know, it's mm-hmm. all the other guys that we had so much promise. It's Soboslai, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sobosly, all these guys all seem to slightly improve and consistently improve. And um, it really even seems like that Moriba is getting a more of a chance now as well, right? And he was a bit of an issue and yeah. um, Jesse Marsh as well. So you, you're seeing this, this stuff. Um, you're just seeing that all coming in. Could, could,
0: I, um, could, I, could I add one more to that, that I think it's made a huge difference is Andre Silva's goal scoring. Yeah. Uh, he went, you know, one of the biggest kind of factors for Jesse Marsh was that he just couldn't get Andrew Silva scoring goals. Mm. Uh, to I think he scored one in his first five or six games and it led to Marsh actually dropping him from the team and he lost his starting space for a while. Since Tedescos came in, he's picked up five goals in I think six games in the Bundesliga. You yeah. know, so um yeah, he's 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 getting the best out of their best players, which at Leipzig is a team on its day that should be challenging for titles.
1: Yeah. And they might they might just do that. You know, as I said, they win the Pokal. I think it's happy days there. And and that will be their first ever trophy. And I think when you first, like the first half of the season, it looked like a setback for them. But if they get back into the Champions League and they win a trophy, they will say, okay, well, Marsh was a mistake. That didn't work out. Happens, right? But as we were able to, to fix it, right away bring in another guy and um, our projections was back on track. And if they win a title and they keep the squad together next year, you know, I I have to admit I was a little bit wrong about Tedesco as well. Um, I I thought it was an interesting appointment, and I was I maybe based it too much on what happened in Schalke in the second season, right? Hmm. But I actually know actually kind of come to the terms that it is a pretty good fit because it yeah. does kind of he's more Nagelsmann than Mashes. In his defensive approach and his more tactical approach and analytical approach, the things like as you said in the interview when he's when he went in he identified the problems and then he almost mechanical worked through them and fixed them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: maybe uh, that works better there.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's kind of probably what you want if you're a fan of the league and you're looking for a team to really make a step up and challenge Bayern. You want a Leipzig head coach who knows how to set a team up, who knows how to defend properly, and he knows how to frustrate. That's obviously what Nagelsmann did for the best part when he really did manage to get the best against Bayern. Um, and, you know, as I said on this podcast a week or two ago, um, this team obviously has so much attacking talent in it that he probably doesn't have to do a huge amount in terms of getting them to score goals. He just does gets the basics right. Um, you can tell when you do watch them, they are very much focusing on their defensive football um, and making sure they get that correct. And, you know, if if you watch that Wolfsburg game or even if you just watch the highlights, players are throwing themselves in front of the ball to stop Wolfsburg from scoring. Um, and, yeah, it's great to see because obviously the league needs kind of league challengers. It needs teams like Leipzig to really... Um, Take a chunk out of Bayern, so it'll be really, really interesting. I'm very, very excited about that game. Uh, once the after the break and we get back to it,
1: yeah, I am too. Um, and I mean, in all honesty, they the two one of the two biggest investments that they made was in defense with Guardiola and Sima Khan, right? So you mm. do hope that that investment <laughs> pays off. And I think the Bayern game is going to be very interesting, and obviously. Um, and we're going to talk about this in a moment. Bayern dealing, um, you know, whenever Bayern seemed to have sort of calmed everything down, like they got through their COVID outbreak um, relatively well, I would say. Right. They lost their, their game against Gladbach, which they would have probably lost anyways, because the Thip Boogie team. And uh, so I don't think COVID was actually the, the biggest factor here. And they were very good against Hertha on on the weekend. I thought just a f- fantastic performance all around. It was so. I mean, first of all, Hertha were garbage. <laughs> you know, I don't like to be this rude about it, but it's it's true. They were they were terrible. There was that that I think it was the fourth goal that they scored that Sunny scored where. That was a regional league level defending. You, know, uh-huh. you would get probably kicked out of your peer league team if you defended like that. And um, that's just very disappointing. Um, I mean, there's another club for from, from me who is just so poorly run and the head coaching decisions make no sense. Um, but that's maybe a topic for a podcast down the road. Um, <laughs> but Bayern looked really good. And Bayern looked really good the the, the match day before. And they're probably also looking very good right now because we're not going to talk much about Dortmund today. I don't think there's much to add to what we had, but Dortmund are getting the results that keep Bayern on their toes. Hmm. And so all of a sudden, um, Dortmund, of course, playing Leverkusen. There's going to be a big weekend when we come back. Um, Bayern Dortmund against Leverkusen on Sunday. And then, of course, the top spiel is Bayern Munich against Leipzig um, Hmm. on the Saturday. It's going to be an interesting weekend because, of course, if Bayern drop points there, which they could, Dortmund win, which is not a given because it's against Leverkusen, mm-hmm. um, that gap could then shrink from the six to maybe four or just three. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's interesting because it keeps Bayern on their toes at the moment. And there's some big news coming out of the Bayern camp this week, with, <laughs> or actually today, <laughs> Um it was really funny that yesterday, Herbert Heiner, so we are recording on Monday, Sunday was the interview, right? Following the Hertha game, Herbert Heiner said they made a contract offer to Nicolas Sule, and that's been going on for a long time. This has been an issue for a long time. It has really looked like he's not going to renew for a long time as well. And today the reports, and this has been confirmed to me, it looks like he is not going to sign a new contract there, which means he's going to leave on a free transfer uh, Chelsea and Newcastle, um, heavily linked. Barcelona is sniffing around there too. I have no idea where Barcelona is going to find that money, Stefan. I th- think they will have to rob a bank first. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess that is... I think Bayern will probably find a replacement pretty easily. They're just going to get... Uh, Christensen is really heavily linked. Who's sitting on the bench mostly at Chelsea, right? And they kind of need a backup defender anyways. And Antonio Rüdiger is another one, Um that would also make sense to bring home a German national team player to play for Bayern. I think that would suit them quite well. So I, I think that's that's an interesting one. But what did you make of the Sule story? Because he is, seems like he's definitely gone now.
0: Yeah, it was very interesting. I thought it was quite hilarious the way that it came out. And yeah. obviously, obviously someone in – well, not obviously at all, actually. This is a total guesswork on my part. But it, it seemed to me as though someone within Sula's camp obviously um, broke the news or leaked the information to build because it came, the story came out almost as a direct reaction to Heiner's comments on Sunday because not only did Bield say that he's not he's not signed a new contract, but they made specific context, they made a specific reference to the fact that Sula was bamboozled by Heiner's comments because mm-hmm. as far as Sula was concerned, uh, uh, so as, as far as he was concerned, according to Bild, uh the club already knew for some time that he wasn't going to sign a new contract. So it's really interesting. I actually don't think he'll be as easy to replace as you know you've suggested there because I think Sula is, mm. on his day, I think he's a tremendous defender. Uh, yeah, I, think, I agree. I think when he's fit, I think he's pushing for a starting role in that barn team. Uh, I think he offers something different from some other players in that team. Um and if you take him out of that squad and you assume that Nagelsohn wants to stick with his back three, he's really, really struggling to kind of fill the spaces. He obviously has Lucas Hernandez, Opa Meccano, Nianzu, and then obviously you have Benjamin Pavard, who's been playing as centre-back. Now, that might look fine on paper, but what you have to remember is that Nianzu is a very young player. He's he's only just kind of coming into the game some of his performances this season have suggested he's still very inconsistent, still very inexperienced. Benjamin Pavard, who may say, look, I'd rather play centre back at this point in my career. He's also a full back at times as well. He's not maybe wouldn't go so far as to say he's a dependable central defender. Lucas Hernandez is another one who I think probably is Barnes' best central defender at this point. Um and I think he probably is a good one on his day. I think and and I think he's actually been quite good this season, don't get me wrong, but He's obviously another player who has moved around a number of positions in that team. And then you have Upamakano, who is still very raw, still very young. Nagelsmann actually made a point of criticising him after the game because he basically gave away a consolation goal. Um, so there are issues with that Bayern defence. And the thing about Sula is that, as I said on Twitter, I think it'd be hard for Bayern to replace because he's, he's, he's basically too good to be a bench warmer for barn which is exactly why he's leaving. But what that also means is if they were to find someone who is just as good as him, that player would also probably demand to be starting just like Sula was and why Sula's now leaving. Um, and I think for barn to actually properly replace him, they probably would have to bring in a Christensen. They probably would have to bring in a, a Rudiger. Um, maybe, I mean, Zachariah has been linked, but I I cannot see Bayern bringing Zachariah to the club just to play central defence. I don't think that would make sense long-term. Yeah. But the issue is, if they do go all out and bring in a Rudiger or a Kustensen in the summer, that's a player who's probably going to be demanding just as much as Sula was requiring and also probably demanding the same amount of playing time. So whoever they do bring in to replace Sula, unless it is a young player, another young player maybe... Um, I think I think I think it's going to force Nagelsmann to really have to kind of shuffle that defense around and keep everyone happy, um, unless, as someone suggested to me on Twitter, they should just go out and get Matthias Ginter, which I thought would be <laughs> I thought was quite a funny suggestion. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Only thing I'd really, the other thing I'd maybe add to this is that I know Sula has been linked to Barcelona, he's been linked to Newcastle, he's been linked to um, Chelsea. I think he's also linked to Manchester United at one point. The one team who should really go out and try and sign Sula now, I think, are Borussia Dortmund. I think I think he'd be the perfect signing for them. He'd be the perfect long term replacement for Mats Hummels, in my opinion. Give him whatever they're paying Hummels. And, you know, that's a player there who, on his day, is as good a defender as anyone in Germany. He has experience, he has the drive, he has the expectation from playing as a Bayern Munich player. Uh, he's exactly, in my opinion, the kind of player that can take Dortmund to the next level and really become proper title challengers. And I don't just mean because of his actual physical ability, um, which I know is quite debatable at times, whether he's really as a top-class defender or not. But he obviously has that air and that expectation of quite a classy player, of quite a player who obviously holds himself to very high standards. And I do sometimes wonder if that's lacking at Dortmund, especially in defence. So... Whether they could afford him or not, I think they probably could. To be honest with you, but um, yeah, they could. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not suggesting for a minute that's where he's going, um, and I, I don't think it's likely. But I would be really, really interested. I'd be very impressed if Dortmund could pull off that signing
1: tomorrow on Twitter. Stefan Bierkowski is linking Natasule <laughs> to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, heard it here first. <laughs> um, I would love it. I don't think. His pre- I think his Premier League ambitions will get in the way of this, but I would love it. I, I think it'd be great for the league because it also would destroy a bunch of narratives because he is Borussia Dortmund signing a free transfer from Bayern Munich, right? Um, mm. A German national team defender. A defender who I, and I, I think that came across a little bit wrong earlier. Um, I actually rate him really highly. I think he goes to the Premier League. He becomes one of the top five defenders in the Premier League instantly because they don't have anyone like him there. He's so fast. That's the thing. People this is why I always laugh when you see these old old guys, old English commentators, like, oh yeah, he's a very slow guy. It's like he's like the top five. He's like in the top five of the fastest players in the Bundesliga every year. Hmm. He's incredibly fast. And he can actually turn this 220-pound body on a dime, which is incredible as well. Um you don't see that with players his weight category and size category that often, that they're also extremely mobile. Like, he's very mobile. There's this one clip where he does, like, the Zidane move, right? Playing as a right back hmm. and completely out-sprinting guys. This is a side of him that is not often seen, and I think that makes him instantly one of the best defenders in that league.
0: Do you know who you always, always reminds? Did you ever watch the, the show Futurama when you were younger? Yeah. You, yeah. Remind, do you Do you remember the characters that Brannigan... The, the kind of like Captain yeah. Kirk kind of parody. He has yeah. this quite disparaging comment that he's making about, actually he's talking about a spaceship, but he's obviously meant to be making a joke about sleeping with a woman. But it's a it's a quote that I always laugh at because I think it perfectly summed up Nicholas Sula. And it's when he says, you know, in, in reference to the ship he's he's driving, he says, you know, she looks like a steakhouse, but she handles like a bistro. In the sense that, like, you know, it's a very, very big ship, but it's obviously very, it's very nimble. And I think that sums up Niklas Sula perfectly because the guy is the size of a wardrobe. But yeah. when you watch him play, he plays, he plays like Alfonso Davies sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I'd be really, obviously, I'd be great to see him at Dortmund, but it'd be really interesting to see how he did in the Premier League because he obviously has all the physical attributes to to really excel there.
1: What well, I think is interesting with Niklas Sula. He is the Volker Strutz agency Sport, sports three sixty. Sports Sports 360. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's history there. Because obviously Diot Upamikanu was also with them uh, yeah. and that worked out. But Timo Werner mm-hmm. and yeah. um, Hassan Salihamidzic's negotiations with Timo Werner and the agency don't exactly went smoothly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, that I find interesting
0: uh, in terms I, of
1: what's going to ha- what's happening right now.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting last summer when that Upamecano story. In fact, not last summer; it was in January, wasn't it, when the deal was going yeah. through? Uh, I find it really interesting that Upamecano's agent was in there negotiating with Bayern when he was probably then the very next day sitting down with Nicolas Sula discussing his Bayern Munich future with him because. Basically, Opa Meccano has stepped in and is probably taking game time from Sula. And if you want to kind of, and you can, you can completely understand why after that summer transfer window, Sula has decided. Look, you know what? If Bayern were going to really offer me a starting role in this team, they probably wouldn't have signed Opa Meccano. They would have offered yeah. me that position to step into Jerome Boateng's position, uh, and they would have let me become that player. Uh, but they've signed up with instead, and because he costs so much money, uh, Bayern are basically beholden to playing up with Michael and developing him. And I'm sure he will go on to become a great player, but he's probably been Bayern's worst defender this season in terms of performances, in terms of mistakes. Nagelsmann really doesn't shy away from the fact that he has a lot to learn in his game. And sure, Bayern Munich can get away with it in the Bundesliga because they usually beat teams by three or four goals anyway. But... We've seen him really struggle in the in the Champions League. We've seen him really struggle against Erling Haaland in the, in, in the you know the the classicers, if you want to call it that. Mm. Um, It'll be really interesting if next season Sula leaves, and obviously Nagelsmann is stuck with Lukaku. If these mistakes continue to happen, if they if they happen in very high stake games, it'd be interesting to see if obviously Nagelsmann would never admit this publicly. but It'd be interesting to see if Bayern Munich fans. Um, start to wonder you know if we had Sula in that position would that have happened because they are different players and if there's one thing you can say about Sula I think he always looks so calm on the ball he's always so composed on the ball he's the, he's, yeah. he's almost the opposite of what McCann in that regard he always looks so concerned and so worried um so yeah I think I honestly think he'd be a huge miss for Bayern I think um I, I don't think they really appreciate that maybe they do they did offer him a contract they did they did offer him a pay rise but the way that he's been kind of pushed to the side this season for other players, I think, is, is, is they might regret that.
1: Yeah, and there's always been a narrative as well, right, around Sule, in that that he's not professional. He doesn't do weight training, doesn't watch his weight. Um, tore his ACL twice, right, which for a big guy is obviously a concern. Mm. Um, being of a similar height and weight class to Niklas Sule and having tore my ACL, I know that is that one of the things I had to watch right after is the weight, Cause that, that joint is better off when you put less weight on it. Um, mm-hmm. that's just, that's just a fact, you know, knees are a very mobile, complicated part of your body. Um, I learned this the hard way <laughs> and, um, and knowing too, that like, I had to extremely watch my weight for doing sport ever since, um, because it's just so difficult. And this is one of the things that they always kind of held against him that he didn't do that. Right. Because, like, they worried that he's like one ACL injury or one bad turn away from suffering that injury again, uh, which, of course, complicated things. And Bayern Munich is still scarred from the whole Holger Badstuber situation, right? A super promising defender. Uh, Maybe one of the most talented defenders German football ever had, but as ACL injuries definitely torpedoed his career. Um, And so I think they were always. Bayern Munich always have a long memory about things. They don't like to repeat mistakes. So I think they were pretty scarred from that. And maybe that's also flowing into this here, um, that they're just worried that his his lifestyle will lead to another long-term injury and then he's a sunk cost, Hmm. maybe. I don't know. It's it's something to keep in mind. It's it's an interesting one. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up and how they are going to end up replacing him? Um, you know, Kristensen is a name. Named, named Ferudica was another. Uh, I'm with you, Sakaria. I can't see it. That'd be that'd be kind of weird. Um, maybe final one for today, Stefan. The um, they were... could, I,
0: could I make one final point on? Yeah, go for it. All I would add to that is the the interesting thing I think coming up for the summer is that uh from a german national team point of view there're three probably most dependable central defenders uh, assuming Mats Hummels does doesn't return to the national team um niklas sulla Tonio rudiger matthias ginter all three out of contract all three potentially moving clubs um and all three possibly having huge changes to their career so it'll be interesting to see how that works out between now and the World Cup because you may have a situation where Sula moves to Premier League. He's having a very good job of it. Matthias Ginter maybe moves to a team in Spain. He could potentially end up at Barcelona, for all we know. Uh, And Antonio Rüdiger could end up at Bayern Munich. So I'm sure Hansi Flick will be watching the summer transfer window very carefully because his entire team could depend on where those three players move in the summer.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. The Qatar World Cup always escapes me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I try not to think about it, to be honest.
1: No. Um, I, I looked into the accreditation process last night and I will probably get accredited for it, but I'm not really looking forward to it. Um it's just such a weird time of the year to go there and I just don't feel any World Cup vibe. It's supposed to be a World Cup year and I'm feeling nothing. It's just emptiness. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of strange. I always get got really excited for World Cups, including the last one because I covered – that was the first one I covered full-time. Um, so I'm not feeling that for this one. But, yeah, like maybe final point, uh, because we did have that as a topic last week, was the, the so-called Ghost Games, Geisterspiele, right,
0: mm. in
1: German football. And um, surprisingly – Various Minister-President, uh, Markus Söder, who previously was always against ghost game, for ghost games, has now said he's against them. Um, said an election in Bavaria this year, Stefan. I think he's feeling the heat. Um, so he's pushing for games to be played with attendance, some sort of attendance and a, a federal decision. But for now, the, the federal government has decided that they're going to postpone that decision. Um, there's going to be... A Lenderrad, which is like the 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 like basically the different um, states or provinces, which is like the closest translation coming together. The heads of the different states and provinces coming together on February 9th to decide what to do further with stadiums, and then a week after that is going to be uh, brought in. and and uh, that's important because like that means like mat- next match day is going to be what it is now. The yeah. match day after that we could see some changes, which would be hopefully positive, and that's of course also the peak of the Omicron wave in Germany. And I'm reading this all from the Süddeutsche Zeitung in, ca- in case you're wondering where I'm getting this from. I'm having it in front of me because it's a, a long list of decisions made, right?
0: Mm. Today,
1: um, a long list of decisions made that actually bring no change whatsoever, but still, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's it looks like the Omicron wave is going to hit, the peak of it's going to hit Germany in early February. And knowing how it is here, we, we are past the Omicron wave peak now the numbers drop quickly after that, and relaxations of rules are also very quickly. So maybe in February, we'll have stadium fans back in stadiums. And I tell you what, if Söder pushes for it, uh, you lived in Germany, you know Germany works, Stefan. Um, when Bavaria says something is going to happen one way, then it's only a matter of time for the rest of them to do it. Because if they don't do it, Bavaria will just do it anyways. Um, so yeah. fingers crossed, we'll get attendance back soon.
0: Yeah. I'll, only thing i really add to this because we talked before we recorded this episode and we agreed that there's no point in either of us ranting about how stupid these rules are and the, the limitations on football because we've done that already. Our, the followers yeah. and our listeners know what how we feel about it. Uh, all I would add is that after the news that nothing was changing, uh, hans Jakom Vazka was very, very um, critical of it. And he said, people are locked out in the open that's not proportionate. That's not science either. No one understands that anymore. And then he said there were always complaints that soccer was getting special rights in Germany. The opposite is just the case. Soccer is becoming the victim of symbolic politics. And I think he made a really good point there. And I think that's really interesting. So it'd be really interesting to watch and see how what happens here. Because if Bayern and Dortmund are both agreed that this isn't fair, then... As we know, when the two of them lock horns or lock arms with something with German football, it usually forces mm-hmm. the rest to kind of fall into line. So, yeah, hopefully um, we'll have fans back in the stadiums because, uh, you know, I was talking to Kevin Hatchart about this on Twitter today, who's obviously one of the very good commentators for the world. Feed them, sir. So I'm sure our listeners have listened to many times wherever you are in the world. Uh, I think we were agreeing that the Bundesliga, more than just about any other major league, really suffers when it doesn't have the fans because they are one of the main selling points if not the number one when it comes to the Bundesliga so hopefully they can get back in as soon as possible
1: yeah yeah 100% Uh, and of course maybe to add one tiny tidbit Oliver Kahn the CEO of Bayern Munich had a meeting with uh, Karl Lauterbach the um, I guess it's the equivalent of the He's the health minister, minister of health, right? And the dis- main decision maker behind this, who has been very critical towards the Bundesliga times uh, to a level where I think it's actually populist. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have agreed on what Lauterbach called a second leg. So we'll see. Um, I know from past experiences that even though these decisions are made, mm, they're not set in stone. They could be decisions made before February, February. Um, and as you said, once Bayern and Dortmund get behind something, that does have significant pull, mm. because these are the two most popular teams in the two most popular states of the country, and they will not do something without knowing a thing or two, mm. right? And that's how decisions made and on the federal level in Germany, it's the, it's based on um, on what the the most populous, popular not popular no popular. The states with the most population in the end of the mm. day decide have the biggest weight, right? In the federal mechanisms that we have in the country governing the way the countries govern. So interesting times. We'll see. Um, hopefully by the time the next podcast comes around, we're all going on an international break too. I'm excited for that kind of Stefan. I'm, I need a break every <laughs> once in a while. Um, you know, still, of course... <laughs> unfortunately for me it's also during deadline day so I guess the break is a little bit different this time than it usually is but it's still a weekend where I can sleep in so I'm looking forward to that and <laughs> and uh, we'll be back with a podcast of course um, after the international break is over and we had like a full of match day um, but until then um, anything you want to point your listeners to um, otherwise we're just going to give this a wrap
0: not really just to um go go subscribe to my newsletter it's free uh i i say all the time in the podcast i'm sure listeners are sick of hearing about it but it will be out this wednesday so you can have a listen to a read of it rather for free then so keep an eye on twitter for that
1: awesome stuff yeah give it check it out and also please give us a rating um rate this podcast five stars please uh, was free or two or one if you don't like us but then they're probably not <laughs> listening um, but <laughs> give us a rating that really helps and yeah until next time auf wiedersehen <laughs>